Oh, that's growth rate. I don't. I want actual. This graph is absolute values. I want ax, absolute values of the GDP as well. Just do calculus in your head. Oh, that's a really good idea, actually. I'll just do that. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, Zach. Hey, Liz. So, Liz, what do you know about dogs? Um, uh, hmm. So four legs, usually. <laughs> in, in what ways do you think you might be like a dog? Oh, um, I don't know. I'm, just, <laughs> I'm really struggling to come up with something funny here. I also have four limbs. Yeah, yeah, to, much like a dog. Much like a dog. You also have four limbs. Mm-hmm. Um, also much like a dog, I'm going to go out on a limb and say, uh, you might have anxiety. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I don't know very much about dogs. I got the four limbs thing that um, we're kind of on the same level there. Uh, okay. Uh, but I also have been made aware that there are some breeds of dog that we have given anxiety. We've been like, like, you know how there's like poodles and we've been like, you've got funky hair. We've got pugs and we're like, you're small and we've got collies and we're like, you're anxious. (laughs) I'm going to make you anxious. I'm going to make you the anxious dog. So Um, we, we bred anxiety into the dogs. Right. Cause they like, we were like, Hey, we got a job for these dogs to do. And the dogs were like, all right, let me do the job. And then when, as we got more and more dogs that were better at the job, then we were, um, God, we've just been fucking up the environment for the sake of capitalism through, uh, some form of, of AI, uh, feedback loop forever. So anyway, we gave dogs anxiety because we wanted them to take care of our sheep. Um, and so now if you have a dog and no sheep, you've got to give the dog something to do. You've got to be like, Hey, go, Mm -hmm. go do this thing, please. Apparently you can like have a collie and train it to like, okay, go in the bin and get the turtle or whatever. And it goes in the bin and it gets the turtle stuffed toy that it's got and and it brings it back to you. And that like makes the part of its collie brain that is like, I need to find a sheep and tell it where to be. Um, it makes that part happy. Okay. Allegedly. And so in that way, I am like a collie. <laughs> this is a thought need, I've had recently. You need someone to tell you to go get the stuffed turtle from the bin? <laughs> Some days I don't think I would mind that. But I think most of the time I... I so this... <laughs> this is uh, an element of my seasonal theme, Um the the winter of self-awareness when i'm trying to look mm. a little bit more at myself and what i need and what i need is even if somebody can't be like hey zach go get the stuffed turtle from the bin i can be like hey zach go on wikipedia and learn things about mitch mcconnell um <laughs> because really what i need is is like a, a thing to research mm-hmm. i'm like a research collie <laughs> Uh, where i get like i i feel bad if i'm not doing a research if i'm not sitting Mm -hmm. there like okay i gotta figure out like what's the next thing what what's the deal with this this guy who's part of the usda now um he's not actually part of the usda but that's that's later um or like how how do the the what's the minimum bike parking legislation in my city I know that now. I just know the answer to that question. And it's it only applies if your building was built or significantly renovated since 2017. That legislation mm. is newer to the city than I am, which is kind of weird. Definitely. And this apartment building that was built in the 1980s uh, definitely does not. Don't be creepy. Yeah, don't be creepy. Um, but it also definitely does not have to follow the minimum bike parking rules, even though they condescendingly email us and say somebody stole bikes from our place you could make sure to use the good locks and you're like okay but you literally the the bike parking that you provide 
does not allow for the good locks. There's bike parking that allows for the good locks and there's bad bike parking. And you have decided to give us bad bike parking and then shame us for using it. Where was I going? <laughs> you were talking about how you were... Okay, well, you were talking about how you were a collie who needed to research and that uh, the bike parking was one of the things you researched. Uh, right. Uh, at, in, in the same day, I also researched that the library nearest me was supposed to have a really nice pedestrian area around it. And now it has one bright yellow sign that says pedestrian crossing here and uh, some very slowly fading uh, white paint on the road instead of, you know, trees, dividers, anything that would actually help a pedestrian. So is this this research habit, it's uh, just ways to make yourself sad? I Because so far I've heard Mitch McConnell, oh. bike parking, and pedestrian. So... That's that's a really interesting thing to point out because I had been thinking that like for a really long time for the last eight years, uh, my situation in school was such that I could research or I could learn something about something. Mm -hmm. And I had to turn that into a result. I had to be like, OK, let's learn all this stuff about row housing and then write a single paragraph on why we should have row housing in Milwaukee when I could have probably written significantly more than a single paragraph. Um, sure. Or I go, oh, shoot, it's today is the day that we're recording Worrying Bugs, so I should look up um, who is going to be heading the USDA now. And then I don't actually get a chance to research all of it, but I do have a lot more information in my head that I will I will relay to you about mm. uh, who's going to be head of the USDA. Spoilers, um, by the way. <laughs> But I had not considered that a lot of times the, the things, let me, let me put all my ducks in a row. I think perhaps if I am anxious about like, oh, I got to research and I am anxious about like, oh, there's a lot of bad things happening right now. Uh, I go, hey, I could fix both of those anxieties at once by Googling <laughs> Mitch McConnell. Okay, sure. Um, sure. That makes sense. Maybe that's not quite the right <laughs> No, but it's re it, maybe, but it's very, it's very you. It's very <laughs> like, it, it's like you would tell that to someone and they'd be like, okay, yeah, I see how you got there. I see how uh -huh. this happened. So I, I am eager to give myself more reasons, more like places for the research to go out into hmm. because I graduated and I went like, oh, okay, that's all my researching days are behind me. And now um, I'm not super, I'm not like researching at work. That's not my main right. role. And so mostly that's got to come from a creative endeavor outside of work. Do you have any ideas? None whatsoever. I was going through my Evernote and I, I saw where I started taking notes on all of the different bridges in Milwaukee um, because I was going to make videos from each bridge in Milwaukee. That sounds fun. And so I do have notes to work on that off, right. Go like off of that and do things. Yeah. You write a script, you record some videos. Yeah. That's a research and an output. Mm -hmm. I could, um, become a policy analyst in my free time. <laughs> so much fun. Um, well, cause you know, I, I know now a, a bunch about what the right kind of bike parking is that you want to. You want to put the good bike parking in so you can use a U-lock on your front wheel and your front frame because your back mm -hmm. wheel is basically stuck on with all like the gears and shit. most of the time people aren't going to try and steal your back wheel. They're going to try and steal your front wheel or your right. whole bike. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you have a, a bike parking setup, that means you can't feed a strong enough lock through your frame and then into the bike parking structure right somebody yeah. could just take your front wheel off and take the rest of your bike or take your whole bike if you're just locking your bike to the front wheel right so like i could you know make recommendations to somebody about that you sure could the wonderful thing about uh 
you know, your your elected representatives is that they have to have an email address. <laughs> <laughs> I just I based on my experience with email addresses, public email addresses. Uh-huh. I'm not entirely hopeful that all this is going to yield any results that will be fulfilling in any re- like reasonable way. That's a fair assessment. That's a very I, fair assessment. <laughs> I much rather I I think your efforts would be much better spent with the the video route or the podcast route because like mm-hmm. that's something you're good at and like if you have this much information i imagine it's hard to just not do anything with it for you i mean i do things with it but it's mostly annoy the people around me (laughs) it's fine too yeah you could i did this for a while i did this when i was in college and like a if a topic if i was interested in something that i was learning in college and i didn't and they weren't going to dive in deep enough to satisfy my curiosity, I would go and look it up and, you know, I'd fill up pages and um, just handwritten notes Mm -hmm. uh, in in addition to my class notes and whatever, uh, and then binder clip those together and put them on my bookshelf because at least it's there. At least uh, there's a physical record of... (laughs) Like a sock. Mm-hmm. At least I made a sock. At least I made a sock. So the largest element of this is just the revelation that I have discovered that I am, in fact, just like an anxious human who wants a research project to do. Which is like a border collie? Right. Which is like okay. a border collie because they just want a, a sheep to herd. Right. I just I just want a sheep to research. <laughs> okay here's here's the here's the game okay you simply do your research write Mm -hmm. it down take notes when you notice a connection between two things you're researching or have researched Mm -hmm. you connect them you connect them in your notes and you say these that this is how these two things relate right and you amass the spider web of topics that you know a lot about Uh uh-huh and eventually you write a self-help book (laughs) (laughs) talking about how everything's connected and you just need to align your vibrations okay right and you know you probably make like three three hundred dollars or so Uh right self-publish on amazon Mm mm-hmm I'm thinking I could find like some ring, right? Where this thing's connected to that thing, which is connected to a third thing, uh, and then a fourth, sure, sure. fifth, sixth, and then it goes back to the first, mm-hmm. right? And I could kind of say like, this is the central ring and yeah. everything else stretches out from that. You know, it's just, uh, it's graph theory. You can just squish and stretch it around, but it doesn't actually right. change the structure. Right. As long as you have a ring, you can use that. This this is the circle of life. Bike locks, Mitch McConnell... Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. beef beef i could actually like legitimately just do like a book at some point too i guess like hey i'm gonna figure out as much as i can about this thing and then write a book about it that would be pretty cool like the people who do that are just people yeah pro tip hot tip people who do things are just people this is an extension of a couple weeks ago when i said politicians are you people who do things are just people i think that is i mean it would be very very cool if you are able to do that jared if you're a publisher um you can contact me on patreon so probably if i was going to write a self-help book uh i would have to include personal experiences right i would have to say like here's my I could do like a, here's my year of, of trying all the things that they, that they say you should try. I don't remember what the name of it is, but it's like. Your body's a guinea pig. 
Yeah. There's somebody who already wrote that book, but I could do a similar thing, but be like, here's my lifetime of trying all the things that you should try. Um, Take that, not just Ferris. Yeah, come on. Uh, and so one of those things is learning how good beef is. God, I just spent a year missing beef and I had a burger and it was so delicious. Next topic. <laughs> uh, may I recommend uh-huh. Impossible Meat? It, I'm told it tastes good. It's good. It's still not beef. All right. But I would also recommend it if you're you're in a not beef time period. I have been a vegetarian for... I've been a vegetarian, not a vegetarian, is what I think I said. I've been a vegetarian for... How long now? Like, two years? Only recently have I, have I ever had a craving for meat, and it's my dang old partner who keeps eating meat around me, and I'm... Mm. Like, it, it smells good. <laughs> just smells good i don't actually want it like it just smells good uh-huh i don't want a hot dog gross yeah but it smells good you could just like fry up chickpeas and put salt on them yeah and that's what i end up doing most of the time not that exact thing but you know mm-hmm. plant protein yeah did you actually do any research about why beef is good or is it was it just that no beef i just tastes ate good? beef and it was tasty Neat. I ate beef and it was tasty. But I spent a year not eating beef, so I could like really mm-hmm. dive into the beef. <laughs> you know? Do you think you would have to go off beef for a year to fully appreciate it? I think a lot of things are made better by anticipation. This is not necessarily a beef direct directly a beef thing but i think a lot of a lot of things are made better by anticipation and so i think the time that i spent anticipating the beef heightened the experience of the beef if you like you clean your ears with a q-tip will that also enhance the experience i think unlike not eating well okay let me rephrase this there's a difference between not eating beef and using a Q-tip in your ear, and I'm trying to articulate what it is. <laughs> I love this podcast. <laughs> and I, it's something to do with the fact that... We ask that the real questions. Q-tip doesn't want you to put a Q-tip in your ear. No, I think they get sued if you do that. And beef wants you to eat beef wait but they don't want you to not eat beef so that's not it they're both beef doesn't want you to to not eat beef and q-tip doesn't want you to put q-tip in your ear yep the thrill of sinning zach (laughs) right yeah actually the best part of not eating beef was that i knew every day some uh beef industry bigwig (laughs) Was just losing those dollars, those dimes, those pennies that I wasn't spending on his beef. It's the only thing that helped me make it through the year. Oh, my God. I think if I had a Q-tip in my ear while I was eating the beef, it would have been less enjoyable. But I think that's true of just about anything with a Q-tip in your ear. Uh Uh-huh. What are things that would be improved by having a Q-tip in your ear? Um, they made a joke about it improving uh, sex on Dubai Friday. I will not claim that joke. I did not make it. Okay. Uh, Dubai Friday made the joke, not me. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And given that that's illegal, I never thought it was funny. Yeah. A rock concert, maybe? Like a Q-tip isn't ear protection, but it's better than nothing. I don't think it is better than that. <laughs> it's also a large protrusion that somebody could jam into your ear with their yeah, elbow. So. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like having dirty ears, I guess. But like even then, like you're supposed to have wax in your ear. Like it's not like having, I, I don't know. I don't know, Zach. 
having one Q-tip in your ear is an improvement from having two Q-tips in your ear. In the same ear? In the same ear or both ears. <laughs> Whichever, you know, it's, you swing either way. It's fine. I think one Q-tip per ear is not that bad. That's just efficiency. <laughs> There's two sides to them, though. Efficiency and? in terms of time, maybe, but like, yeah. what about material? What about the poor sheep that had to die to get that co- to get that wool? No, probably <laughs> cotton. <laughs> no, I'm very sorry. Well, they make um, reusable uh, Q-tips now. That's so if you disgusting. don't want to want put want that, you know, the Q-tip that is already all tree product. Um, Probably like bleach tree product, right? I'm not saying Q-tips are saints, but if you don't want to put the bleach tree product in into the landfill, you can instead get a reusable Q-tip that you wash regularly. Wash a Q-tip. It sounds bad. It's, it just sounds it's bad. Like plastic and ribbed for your ear. For your ear. Yeah, like ribbed ear, for ear pleasure your ears dots. pleasure dots. Sort of set that out. Do- what are we doing? What are we doing here? Yeah, ripped for your pleasure. Yeah, no, I, I understand. <laughs> Start us edit all of that out. <laughs> Starting right when I said Q-tip. Hey, Liz. This is never coming out. So you were saying your partner um, makes you have have a hankering for meat sometimes? I might have said that, depending on what sort is left in. Okay. So you were saying, (laughs) but that, like, what you want is not actually a hot dog. And I'm guessing that's because you think, like, hot dog, and you think that's got to be disgusting, right? That's got to be filled with, like, you know, pink slime or something. Yeah, basically, I have flashbacks to reading The Jungle. That's fair. Ideology is dead, And we should all just choose a different page from the jungle to cling to. What is this energy? I love it. It's great. It's awful. I hate it. It's great. (gasps) Do you think probably a hot dog is just like pink slime and stuff? Mm -hmm. But I know at least one person who would have a problem with that. And that's Tom Vilsack, who was uh, from January 2009 to January... 2017 uh the head of the united states department of agriculture Hmm. uh the term for that is the secretary of agriculture i don't know why i said that in such a strange way okay uh he was obamatary obama obamatary (laughs) we got this just keep just keep going he was obama's secretary of agriculture uh as I said, from those dates, but he didn't make it all the way through Obama's um, first and second term. He quit one week before Obama left office uh, and got replaced by some guy who was the deputy secretary. And I looked it up and I was like, why did he quit a week early? And basically um, there was Martin Luther King Jr. Day, uh, which ate up some fraction of the week and so that like following work week wasn't even going to be that a full work week um and in a way that is totally unrelated but is cited in every single article about how he quit early uh the trump transition team put a really low priority on the usda so he ended on a friday and then for whatever two days somebody else was the secretary of agriculture it's resume building (laughs) uh Another resume building activity, he was the designated survivor in 2012 for Obama's State of the Union address, which is like, if everybody dies, then he's in charge because he knows how to grow plants good. (laughs) Obama was like, you know how to grow plants good. Uh, And you're from Iowa, so you get to be in charge of everything if we all die. And it's good that he did all this resume building because he is now Biden's pick for agriculture secretary, uh, which means he's the ninth in line for the, you know, the line of succession to be president Mm -hmm. if something bad happens. Uh, So you've got a pro there. He knows the department fairly well and he can get back up to speed pretty quickly. Uh, But you've got a con in that, like, 
every problem you might have had with the Obama era Department of Agriculture, you're going to still have with the Biden era Department of Agriculture because it's the same head. Right. What kind of problems would that be? Uh, there's a couple. Biggest is uh, alleged discriminatory pla- practice against black farmers um, under Vilsack. Hmm. Uh, which is a pretty big one, in my opinion. Yeah, um, I'd say so. Oh, it's also not just that there was discriminatory lending practices under Vilsack, um, but that he lied to conceal uh, decades of discrimination against black farmers uh, under his jurisdiction. That's, re- that's really bad. That um, seems really bad. A lot of his policies that he pushed back then and continues to push now are tougher on smaller farms, like the way that I'm thinking about this, you can have like regressive or progressive taxing mm-hmm. um, where like, as you get more money, you pay more and that's progressive where regressive would be like a flat tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if you have something that impacts you the same, no matter your size, it's going to be a much larger proportional impact on a small farm than a large farm. Right. And so a lot of his policies, it looks like are a little more, uh, favorable towards um agriculture monopolies and like super big agriculture businesses gdp i assume i assume this is just gdp making making the gdp better gdp machine go burr yeah um yeah that and like probably most of his friends are are big farms and not whatever and so he's going to be the head of the u.s department of agriculture and you might be going like, hey, Zach, what does this have to do with anything you ever talk about on the Worrying Bugs podcast? Because you guys have a, like a very clear brand and it's um, you, not you, like, agriculture at all. Uh, you, you, you know, um, bikes and uh, buses and. Whatever I talk about. Right. Yeah. Kind of whatever. <laughs> haven't been. <laughs> haven't really been paying attention. Whatever Liz talks about. <laughs> Uh, but the U S department of agriculture is in fact in charge of uh, a lot of things (laughs) and a lot of things that I think are important. Is it like the kind of a lot of things where it like kind of doesn't really make sense to call it the department of agriculture or is it not that bad? Yeah. So there's the department of housing and urban development. Um, and they do housing and urban development right they focus pretty clearly on like cities and if you're like hey we want to do this program to make folks in a city better off we want to work on whatever transportation that's the department of transportation public transit department of transportation urban development not anywhere involved in the transportation because governmental silos Um, why would you want those things to be related but you see governmental silos, that's part of the Department of Agriculture because they're where uh, if we make too much cheese, all the cheese, it's it's uh, the USDA's cheese, I'm pretty sure. And that's why um, when when we had too much milk in the past and we made a bunch of cheese and then we had a bunch of people without enough money, uh, their food stamps, the, the SNAP program, um, could buy government cheese very easily mm-hmm. um because the snap program is under the jurisdiction of the usda and you might think that that's a little bit outside of like the department of agriculture because that's mm-hmm. you got kind of competing interests there a little bit too or it's For like sure. hey i grew a bunch of corn hey i n- need money so i can eat kind of different things it um, does seem very different school lunches uh you could also get government cheese for your school lunches pretty easily because the usda is also in charge of school lunches and they make a lot of decisions about cows this country has a lot of cows and the usda makes decisions about those cows that makes sense that part that one makes sense i feel like agriculture cows fall neatly into agriculture uh something that's very (laughs) The weirdest thing that I think is under the USDA's jurisdiction is home loans. Sometimes. <laughs> under what, what circumstances? It didn't say in this article. Uh, and the opioid e- epidemic. <laughs> so, so part of what happened is that 
they were like, oh, well, we have this Department of Housing and Urban Development. And then what do we do if it's not urban development? And they were like, I guess that's the USDA. So in, in my head, a lot of times now I'm thinking about it like the Department of Agriculture and Rural Development. Okay, sure. Um, the Rural Electrification Act uh, gave rural electrification powers to the USDA. Um, opioid epidemic hit pretty heavily in rural areas. And so that's a, a thing that the USDA is has a hand in uh, dealing with now. Um, the Flint water crisis. Even which if is, you explain it, it doesn't make it seem any less weird. No. Sorry, go ahead with Flint. The Flint water crisis. So like safe drinking water is part of the uh, USDA's thing. I would like to make explicit that there is a Department of Health and Human Services. Yeah, there sure is. But they're not in charge of, like, SNAP, where we want the humans to have the service of food or, you know, food for their health. What do they do? What what does Health and Human Services do? Coronavirus. According to the first page of hhs.gov, it's coronavirus. I have to scroll very far before I get to anything that's not COVID. But um, more generally, the mission of the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services is to enhance the health and well-being of all Americans by providing for effective health and human services and by fostering sound, sustainable advances in the science and underlying medicine, public health, and social services. But not SNAP. No. Didn't you hear? It's not... It's not food. It's underlying medicine, public health, and social services. Right. Which but... social services... Uh, see, it's actually... The reason... I, this is a joke, by the way. The, uh-huh. uh, the Yeah, no, the reason it's not a social service is because uh-huh. um, the... Because you don't actually get a service, you get a product. So it's actually a social product. Ah. You've heard the term products and services, yeah. Right. We, HHS, we only do social services. So if right. you need, like, to volunteer for a COVID-19 clinical study, we got you. We're going we're <laughs> gonna to do that service. You're welcome. From all of us at hhs.gov, which might be one of the worst-looking government websites oh they've got such a bad flag uh health insurance is good that's important mm-hmm. public health and safety emergency preparedness and response they did a great job with that really um <laughs> they were kind of kneecapped right i don't oh no no yeah it's not entirely it's not like if you work there i'm not saying you did a bad job with the resources that you had Let's see. Foster care, another primo American social service. Uh huh. Homelessness, once again. Right. Handled that one. Checked. Supporting military families. You know what? Thank you. Thank you for your service. Isn't All there right, already I'm... a Department of <laughs> Veterans Affairs, though? There is 100% a Department of Veterans Affairs. <laughs> I'm going to close this window now. Okay, so another thing the Department of Health and Human Services does is the FDA exists within the jurisdiction of the Department of Health and Human Services. Sure. Um, And so that's like standards of identity, right? The people who decide what is milk, Mm -hmm. not the Department of Agriculture. (laughs) That's the FDA. These, These silos are just like, it's very easy to see when you put it like this, how like counterproductive these like separation of responsibilities are. Mm -hmm. I don't have more to say about that. I'm just saying that it's not necessarily a good idea. Not that I have like a better one. I don't necessarily think that the entire U S government should be an agile scrum esque team. (laughs) Um, so this Tom Vilsack guy to get back to him. He is going to be Biden's um, secretary of agriculture, ninth in line uh, and ninth in the line of succession. Um, 
has had a a kind of bad history as far as allegations of discriminatory practices and lying to cover that up. Uh, And also, he is in the pocket of Big Milk. Another one. Which is kind of weird to say because he also is Big Milk. He's like in his own pocket. Um, (laughs) He is currently the president and CEO of the United States Dairy Export Council. Um, and became such sometime in 2017. That's not a title he's going to relinquish upon regaining office. I believe he will relinquish that. God, I hope so. (laughs) Oh God, I didn't even think about that. Is that a thing that he could potentially not relinquish? Once confirmed, Krista Hardin, uh, USDEC's current chief operating officer, will become president, says Gallagher. So he will be relinquishing that title once okay. he's um, confirmed. That's good. Some other facts about the United States um, Dairy Export Council. Uh, they have, in fact, uh, over the last couple of years, brought gains to um, how much dairy is being exported. Um, you might remember that a little bit ago we got into a trade war with China Um, And that kind of caused some issues. But through it all, uh, we are still telling other people that our milk is good and our milk products are good. Um, One of the ways that we we do this uh, with the USDEC is not like a governmental agency. There's no we here. Uh, It just says U.S. And so my brain is like, ah, government agency. But no, it's just it's a corporation that does marketing Um, is that they have a department of cheese marketing. You can be the head of de- the Department of Cheese Marketing at the USDEC. That's someone's real job in real life. Good for them. I'm glad they found such an interesting position. Uh, while at the USDEC, uh, Vilsack established relationships with culinary institutes in other countries. Uh, it looks like they're mostly in Asia and Africa. Um, to include U.S. dairy in their curriculum. So to be like, hey, I, I know you're making uh, bibimbap. I know you're making, um, you know, I'm trying to think of tepoki, uh, but to have you considered maybe putting cheddar cheese in there? Yeah, put, throw a craft single on that. I think it'd be better. <laughs> no, it's really great, actually. Yeah. Velveeta is really uh-huh. what you uh-huh. need in this dish. Um, some other facts about Vilsack. Uh, this one's from his Wikipedia. He thinks that global warming isn't caused by U.S. ag. Um, and then he says, actually, it only accounts for about 9% of global warming. Agriculture in the U.S. only accounts for 9% of the global warming that's happening. Seems like a lot. 9%, right. That's, that's 10 different regions, fields could do 9%. And that's most of the global warming. Yeah. And so, like, it seems like you should still care. Yeah. I also think it's weird the way that, like, all of this kind of, it says, like, rural is agriculture and agriculture is rural. I think is a really interesting thing that that happens with this mm-hmm. is that Vilsack, Vilsack acts like he's speaking for the entirety of the rural United States as a guy who's on the board of the Dairy Export Council. Yeah, that's a good point. I imagine that it is it is heavily skewed in terms of population, but, like, you know, people do other things and live in rural areas. And I think the... Oh, this is an interesting take. Um, let me put it all into words. So... When you think of, like, idyllic Hallmark Christmas Village, there's a, like, downtown where stuff happens, right? They've Mm -hmm. got, whatever, a a shop that sells figurines and a bakery and a Mm -hmm. whatever. I imagine Ripon, usually. Right. And Ripon actually does pretty well because it's a college town. Um, Mm -hmm. But a lot of other communities could have a, a similar thing but because we said and i guess have in the past had a similar thing um i'll, I'll 
put some links in the doobly doo in the in the show notes of like where I'm getting some of this bullshit from. Okay. Um, but for now, I would appreciate if you can just take it as read. That, yeah, no, absolutely. Um, when you think of a good small town, right? Like a lot of a lot of America, maybe not you in particular. Um, you think of a small town that no longer really exists or is in its dying breath because most people just get their baked goods and their action figures and their um, grain and whatever at Fleet Farm and Walmart. Right, yes. Which then leads to there being fewer things to do in rural areas that aren't agriculture. Right. Which leads to a national conception of rural areas as only agriculture, which leads to um, presumably government moves that incentivize agriculture in rural areas and disincentivize other things because you gave control of the rural regions to the Department of Agriculture. Yeah, even if it's not explicit, this makes a lot of sense to me. And so I came into this and I wanted to get like your thoughts on kind of the place where, like, is it is it good or bad that all the liberal coastal elites went, ah, something rural that belongs to the USDA. I don't know. But I will say, while you were talking, I was thinking about where, like, you you said, like, a bakery or a sh- store that sells knickknacks and probably, like, a coffee shop and, mm-hmm. like, what else? I, like, what else is, what other stores are there in Schitt's Creek? Like, there's... I've seen one episode of that, but, like... okay not important like a mini grocery store maybe yeah like just a general general store yeah Uh uh-huh so but but i was thinking about like you know those things like that type of area exists like i used to live on a street that looked exactly like that in madison (laughs) you know it was but it was like a hipster version of it you know it wasn't uh farm town where like the only thing to do was you know go down and i don't know see live music at the at the bar or whatever Mm -hmm. because i mean i assume based on your logic is that they were allowed to flourish yeah and it's easier to justify i've got a a small grocery store near me and it's easier to justify having a small grocery store near me than a small grocery store in Brandon, Wisconsin, because I will go to my small grocery store once or twice a week and just pick some stuff up and then walk back home. But whatever, however many hundreds of people who live in a half mile radius of that grocery store are going to do the same thing Mm -hmm. in a way that, God, it's got to be more than my brain is so small town. Even now, it's got to be probably literally thousands of people in the radius of that grocery store who go to it yeah definitely. once or twice a week and you mentioned a half mile because that's like walking distance right because you would never drive there you'd if you're gonna drive you might as well go to a place with more variety right and in you know rural america you you drive everywhere because there's no there's nothing within a half mile of you not even your uh-huh. neighbor and then as we build more parking lots that are larger than any parking lot would ever need to be (laughs) things get pushed further and further out in a way that like you can't even live in Fond du Lac now and not have a car right I think there's a bus system in Fond du Lac but like it's basically non-existent as far as I know uh it's it's been a minute so like I have three quarters of thoughts on on the way that like if you imagine urban and rural as these two totally distinct categories, you're going to get more resentment between them and you're going to get them to be very distinct because Mm -hmm. you're giving them different opportunities. Yes. It's like a giant Stanford prison experiment. So would you combine like... Urban development and rural development. I know that's not the point, but like, mm-hmm. would you? I don't know. Seems like the interests of those groups of people, like maybe it is just like the 
the public understanding shaping the way I understand these mm -hmm. groups of people. But like, it does seem like the interests of those two groups of people are different, different enough to like, maybe not different enough to be two different, <laughs> to be lumped into agriculture and then urban development is a different thing entirely. But like, mm -hmm. what do you think? I think I'm bitter and cynical and at least want there to be a name on rural development that isn't just for the farmers. Yeah. And I think it would be better if we could have somebody in charge of agriculture and somebody in charge of rural development. Like being the same person or two different people? Two different people. Yeah. Okay. Because those are, I feel like, different skill sets and different ways of looking at the world. Definitely. Often. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And I think it would make more sense to me if there was, because like, okay, so there's the U U.S. Department of Agriculture, and that has a bunch of, you know, sub-organizations. And one of those that I don't remember the name of off the top of my head is like the, the food program, regional food program or something. And so there's a West Coast, Midwest, and then East Coast regional food mm. program. Okay. or something and i think in a similar way if there was a department of urban and rural development that had a sub-organization of urban development and a sub-organization of rural development and we gave snap to um the department of social services <laughs> and school lunches to the department of education i don't know or maybe that's another social service because that makes a lot more sense to me Sometimes I look at code and I go like, okay, somebody clearly had a thought about why these three things should be together. Mm -hmm. And because I have spent a lot of time in code and have also made a lot of dumb decisions, I can occasionally reverse engineer like, okay, these, these things belong together because otherwise they would have to pass a God object from here to there or whatever. Right. Right. Um, but I want a similar thing where I can, I can go to the person who was like, okay, well, school lunches belong to the USDA. And was it just because there wasn't a department of agriculture when they made that decision or not agriculture, um, education when they made that decision or right. Yeah, were, were they thinking maybe the U S department of agriculture has a better relationship with food producers and so they can get better deals with. Mm -hmm. You're looking for like a semester of rules type deconstruction of like why the u.s government does the things it does i god i just want someone to have a reason they're doing something <laughs> it's for the constituents for the people uh, we serve you I always forget about them remember zach that politicians are you mm -hmm. and if you don't like something the government does it's your fault <laughs> That's the takeaway. So presumably for the next four years now, we're going to have a department of agriculture that is in the pocket of big milk and uh, Marsha Fudge will not be in charge of SNAP. She will be in charge of the housing and urban development um, because the silos are weird and big and also poorly defined. And you ever think, do you think that like agriculture just kind of like, Social services is like, we should give people free lunches or, you know, we should give kids free lunch, free lunches at school. And then agriculture just kind of waltzes in and is like, no, actually, that's our territory. You can't come on it. <laughs> you can't, you can't touch food. Food is us. We're the, I am food. You can't kick me out. <laughs> They're encroaching on my territory. If we give an inch, they take a mile. Probably. <laughs> it's it, sub-interests, right? Interest categories and like groups around communities. No, groups around ideas. Um, communities around like, hey, I like Minecraft or whatever. Those are nested fractally, right? You can look at Minecraft or you can look at my, modded Minecraft or you can look at this particular mod pack. You can look at all those things and they go okay. all the way down. Um. And I think offices, office workplaces in a similar way, you can like look at any workplace and be like, oh, there's, 
there's like drama and shit going right. on for sure um i'm just bowling for soup now aren't i i am just singing a bowling soup song but saying it in words everyone's just as obsessed with who's having sex and who's the best dressed so probably the u.s cabinet is not exempt and if you want snap to be better there's no one to talk to because literally i can't even decipher whose choice that would be right does congress go like hey usda now you got to make snap better or does the usda just start and they're like we're gonna make snap better or does the president get to be like ah we're gonna make snap better by appointing Marsha fudge instead of um tom vilsack uh i don't know they did not teach me that in civics Mostly because I never got taught civics. I taught myself <laughs> civics and I laser printed the Trans-Pacific Partnership onto a roll of toilet paper. And now, a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Screw 2K. Cancel rent. Anarchy sign. UBI. Anarchy sign. We want everything. This has been a PSA from the Worrying Bugs. Just to be clear, the Worrying Bugs are not affiliated with anyone who may or may not have put those exact words onto the garage door of Nancy Pelosi. The Worrying Bugs are also not in any way affiliated with the National Anarchy Organization. <laughs> Please tell me, there, tell me there's no such thing. Please. Oh, there's gotta be. There's gotta be somebody who was like, Christ. I know how to make this work. All right, Nash, come on, keyboard, <laughs> national. Uh, okay, first thing on Google is nationalanarchist.net. Ooh, this looks... Hmm. They have a banner that says 0% racism, 100% identity, which makes me think the opposite. It's also, you know, doesn't have HTTPS, which... I mean, it is a blog spot. Yeah, it sure is. They took pictures of a of the inside of a book and posted it. That's anarchy, baby. June 28, 2018. I finally received the proof I need to completely destroy the lie that I am, or I've ever been, a neo-Nazi, neo-fascist, or racist. Troy needed proof for that one. <laughs> Destroyed. Ooh. Boy, I've destroyed is... any ideas that I might uh, have violent thoughts. This is rough. This is rough and definitely not any sort of national organization of anarchists. So that is, uh, that makes me feel a little bit better. You know, at least that much is sacred. <laughs> Jared, if you are part of the National Organization for Anarchists and want to sponsor the Worrying Bugs podcast. Or if you are a different dog breed. Uh, you can tell me about it on Twitter. I'm at... 